Praise the Lord. It is a joy to be here. And uh, I cannot share stories because we were in the witness protection program for many years. But, uh, yeah, um, wow. You know, I was talking to my wife on the phones. I was riding down the road today. And uh, we were just laughing because she said, you know, when, you know, back in that day, uh, my dad pastored for many years. And now he still travels in evangelism and preaches. And uh, But when my dad and Brother Steve's dad, what do they call you around here? Bishop. Okay. You don't know what they call you. Okay, we've got to talk later, y'all. But, um, but no, when his dad and my dad get together, it was as if they never left, you know, their conversations. Dad passed from Texas. Of course, his dad in North Carolina. But then it was like they picked up right where they left off, but it was the first time they heard any story. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Any of y'all at that age, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, my dad would be like, hey, Brother Darrell, tell him about that. And he would remind him of something, Brother, Brother Cox. Oh, Brother Gray, I'm going to tell you right now, that mess out there, bless God. And they get to swapping stories. And, uh, I mean, Preacher Cox is my hero. He really is. I was 21, first meeting, exactly right, in Moxville. I drove 16 hours from Longview, Texas, to Moxville, North Carolina, to preach one night, turn around, go home. I'd give my two-week notice. I have a wife that's great with child. I'd just say goodbye to my job because I knew this is what God called me to do, and I got one meeting. And Preacher Cox was so kind to call me, and he said, Brother Scott, where are you going from here when you come up here next Wednesday night? And I said, well, let me check my calendar. You know, you want to act busy. And so I sat there for a moment. Well, actually, and he was so kind, he said, let me make some phone calls for you. And I said, Lord, have mercy. Call anybody you want to. I will preach at any church. I don't care what it's called right now. And uh, I'm a starving evangelist. That, you know, we'll, I, I'm the guy in the street corner. We'll preach for food. God bless, you know. And But anyway, he was such a blessing, such a thrill. I did my first funeral. Never done a funeral in my life. I'm 21, just graduated college. And he calls me in the office. Brother Scott, you got to do a funeral for me. I said, uh, Dr. Cox, I've, I've never done a funeral. He said, well, bless God, I didn't go to Bible college, but you can figure it out. And I was like, amen, <laughs> we will figure it out. And so uh, they never asked me back for another one. I'm not sure why, but anyway, it is a joy and a thrill to be here. What a church, what a spirit, and um, thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity. I sure love your pastor and his family, and uh, that singing tonight, uh, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart because it reminds me of home, reminds me of our church, but uh, if I just drove to sing and worship and get back in the truck and go home, it was worth the trip. There's nothing like worshiping the Lord, and uh, I do want to say if there's any first-time people here, please come back. Um, don't judge this church on anything I may say. I'm a human. I'm going to mess up, okay? And so come back and hear the main man with the main plan, all right? Until then, we're stuck till Chick-fil-A gets here. 1 Samuel chapter 30, if you would, please. 1 Samuel chapter 30. This afternoon, I grabbed a tipsy taco. Y'all ever heard of it? Lord, help. That, the Holy Ghost was in that place. It made me a little nervous, tipsy taco. I didn't know whether I was going to be in the body, out of the body. God knoweth. Um, but it's all under the blood. Amen. There are no strangers. Amen. Here we go. First Samuel chapter 30. Oh, Brother Jake's here next week, huh? 
I need to come back just to cause him trouble. There's a reason why God called us to be pastors, because we are horrible members. I have three sons. I call them boys. They're all grown men, bigger than I am. My oldest one's married, and uh, he just, he nothing. My daughter-in-law just gave us our third grandchild. I'm Papa G. That's how I sign Bibles, hashtag Papa G. And uh, it's my handle. But um, uh, Emmett is three, Katie is two, Sadie is four months, and I need to sit that boy down and talk to him a little bit. And uh, slow down, or you're going to have to change your name to Duggars. And um, here we go, but... Every year, it's like, hey, Dad, <laughs> you, you need a job, boy. And because uh, working at the church ain't going to pay for all of this. I'm going to tell you that right now. But, uh, and my other two are single, so that's why I travel and preach. We are I'm seeking for a bride for my two sons, all right? Not one, but two. And uh, I've got two boys, but we have a great time. However, when I preach, I can't look at them. Because if I mess up, if I say something that's a family joke, you know your family, you have a joke just for you, and your family's cracking up, and everyone's looking at you like you've lost your mind, like, we don't get it. And it's like, ah, you had to ride in the car with us. And, uh, but they'll sit over there with their mother, and I can't even look at them. i got to look over here, stare at the balcony or something. It's like, uh, y'all are bad. And you can't get on them because they're grown men. What are you going to do? So I'm basically saying I'm moving here, so this will be my home church now. Amen. I want to bring a message tonight that I brought to our church a while back, and I want to say this, and then we'll just get right into it. There are times when you have to look at your Christian life and say, all right, Lord, direct me. Holy Spirit, guide me. You know, um, (laughs) when I was growing up, if you ask someone, hey, would you mind helping in the nursery? Then that meant 40 years later, you're still in there going, can anyone get me out of here, you know? Um, Hey, would you mind driving this van for me just one time? And uh, you get in that seat and you can't get out. And you're like, no, you know, and you're stuck there forever. When I preach this to our people, I try to encourage them. And let me go ahead and say, I'm not trying to get anybody to quit nothing. But I do think if we're not careful, and if we do not get a drink, there's some of y'all that came in from work tonight and said, boy, it's been a tough time. Man, the devil's really getting after my family, getting after my job, getting after whatever. And you walked in these doors and went, that's what I needed. There's some that need a little bit more. There's some that need a lot. Let's just look through this story and see where we're at. 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee give me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired of the, uh, uh, at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook 
be sore. Drop down to verse 21. And David came to the 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook be sore. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial of those that went with David and said, because they went not with us, we will not give them all of the spoil that we have recovered. Saved every man, his wife and children. And he said, we don't want their wife and children. You can have them. You can have them little brats. Well, you can get nothing else. And that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our land, into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter, but as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that teareth by the stuff, they shall part alike. Our Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you for this joy, this privilege, this honor to stand in this church tonight. Thank you for Pastor Steve, his dear family. Thank you for this wonderful work. God, it's evident your hand is upon them. Lord, that also means that the devil will do everything he can to stop it. And so, Lord, I do pray tonight that you would hide us behind the cross. Forgive me for where I have failed you. Father, bless my wife and children and grandchildren back at the house. Keep them safe. Meet with us tonight, please. In your precious holy name I pray. And all God's people say, amen. My wife has a dog. It lives in our house. Um, our dog claims to be a wiener dog, but evidently she's been to Tipsy Taco a few too many times, and she's a bratwurst. She's a big dog. <laughs> Jules now will get to the place where, you know, go outside, and you ain't got to pick her up and take her outside. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. It's just bad. I came home the other day, and Jenny's walking. She always runs and all that mess, and she's into exercise, and I believe in encouraging, amen. And uh, so I text, how you doing? And uh, I'm the pit crew, but uh, hang in there, sister, you can do it. And when I came home, I pulled in, and there she come walking down the street, and she got that dog underneath her arm. The leash is connected, and it's hanging down. She's carrying that dog, and she has that mom look. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And moms, I love y'all, but you know you just don't cross God Excuse me, you don't cross mom or God. Mom has skin on, okay? She'd be first, amen. But uh, moms, y'all are the ones that say, I love you, you're the best, I'm going to wring your neck. Within the same 60 seconds and mean it both times. Amen. I knew I was in trouble in church when I could feel mom just, you're fixing to be an orphan of God. Get over here now, you know. My mom didn't play, man. She's old school. Well, Jenny's walking... (laughs) She got that dog. She's got that look. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. I said, "Uh, babe, you good? I'm good. Try and take this dog for a walk. I said, "Uh, and why are you carrying her? She said, well, she didn't make it far. Pretty soon the tongue started hanging out the side of her mouth. Pretty soon she just sat down on the street. Then it went from a walk to a drag to a pick up to carry and she said now i got my cardio in with the walk and all of that and it was like wow that dog unfortunately is like a lot of people that we get in this thing i'm gonna tell you about this story in scripture and give you my thought and then we'll enjoy some chick-fil-a that's just manna from heaven 
Man, God bless that man. The men with David have just arrived back from Ziklag. They walk up to see smoke ascending. They walk up to see the place where they lived destroyed. They're walking up and their shock has turned to pain that turned to weeping. And as we read in the very first verse, turned to anger. Men of Belial, the Bible calls them, wicked men amongst the crowd, rose up right away, turning on David. And the Bible says they picked up stones and they said, you're done. It's your fault. We're taking you out. So now we have men that are going through the worst time of their life. And David has gone through some difficult times up to this point. David, you remember at the beginning, his own family ignores him. Remember the man of God shows up and says, hey, I'm supposed to anoint one of your boys. Can you line them up? Jesse says, you got it. He lines them all up and he goes, goes, goes. And he said, "Um, God said no to all of these. Do you have any more sons? Jesse said, I have one. I mean, David, really, you don't want him. His family ignored him. And let me just say this in the message, but be patient with God because God will not let the oil pour till the right head shows up. So David walks in. He's already ignored by his family. Then he does marry the king's daughter. Remember, he killed Goliath, so that was the prize. And I'm not sure if she knew about this, but congratulations, sweetheart. You now marry him. And uh, I, I'm so glad I live in this day and age. Amen. Any young people in here want your parents to go get your mate? Uh, they'll say, we'll be right back. Don't you worry. We'll take care of you. And uh, anybody have much, that much faith? Amen. So he's married, but however, his father-in-law and he are having issues. Uh, there's been six assassination attempts on David's life. His father-in-law has stepped into his home and caused him so much havoc. He has lied about David to all the people and to the troops to divide them because he's very jealous of this young man, now older man, and now here he is with David and his men. He's in the worst time of his life. But we read there in verse number 6 that when he was greatly distressed, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. The enemy has made a mistake. They just woke up a true sleeping giant. They woke up a man. There's a lot of people you, you can play with. David is not one you wanted to mess with. David is now doing what he knows to do. And let me say this to anyone, and and I don't know stories here tonight, but I know people. I know our people, and I know people are people. There are some here tonight that you've got a lot that's been laid at your feet. And some things you have an answer for, many things you may not. And on top of that, life just keeps going. And isn't it interesting that when life happens, it's going to be good days and it's going to be some bad days. But can I encourage you to do what David did when his own men had stones in their hand and they were turning to kill him? He goes and inquires of the Lord. And when you don't know what to do, the greatest thing we can do, and I'm all for songs, I'm all for reading books, I'm all for getting counseling, but the greatest thing any believer can do is to is to have that priesthood of the believer to be able to go straight to their God and say, oh my God, I need your help right now. God, I'm not sure which way to turn. As Solomon said, I'm a a child. I don't know how to go in or how to come out. All of us are going to face those times when we're frustrated. Anybody ever get frustrated? 
I know that doesn't happen here, but there are some churches people get frustrated. Pastor didn't shake my hand. Pastor's wife didn't. I honked at her and waved at her, and she drove right past me. I can't believe they didn't sing my song. I asked them to sing my favorite song, and they've not done it in three weeks. What are they thinking? This happens at places. It don't happen here. It happens to other places. And I mean, they'll just get frustrated. You've been frustrated with your children. Moms, don't you just love this when you pick them up from school? What's for dinner? My wife and I would always, come here, boy. And uh, we had five sons. We're down to three. And so it's like, uh, have you ever gone without a meal? Stop asking. I think they used to wake up in the morning. Hey, what's for dinner tonight? And it's like, stop asking that question. Frustrated. It may be legit fatigue. There are, there are people, you've been serving the Lord a long time, and it may just be God is rearranging some things in your life. But I want to say this, as you go and seek the will of God for your life, and you try to find out where's my place in the house of God, do what these men did. And when it's time, and we'll get to that verse in just a moment, but all 600 of these men made this three-day journey. All 600 of these men approached and saw their homes destroyed. All 600 of these men were part of the debate, if you will. Do we kill him or do we let him stay as our king? All 600 begin to uh, begin the trip to rescue their family. However, when all 600 approached the brook Besor, 200, these are good men, 200, they lost just as much as the other 400. 200, they wept as well. 200, they are hurting. They are worried. But I just can't move. King, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm done. 400 said, and, and look how good God is through David. And I know it, it didn't all happen in verses. But in verse 6, they have stones wanting to kill him. Verse 8, they have swords ready to follow him. You see, you can manipulate man only so long. But when you get God involved, God will cause even the sons of Belial to drop the stones and pick up the sword and ready to go to battle. That's why we always need to have God involved in our lives and not what man thinks, not just what the world suggests, not what a spiritual one suggests, but what does God say about a matter? These 200 are hurting just as bad. And there are many people in our churches that need to go to the brook, be sore. And you need to take some time to get a drink. I don't know what causes the 200 of our churches to say, I'm done. Maybe it is years of service. We have people at our church, oh my soul, it's the most humbling thing. We have a dear couple in our church. They have worked on the same area of picking up young people for 47 years. They started when I was three. And they still go every week to pick up those kids. Well, not the same ones, but different ones. We represent. And uh, uh, go pick up the the same area. They still hit the same street. 47 years. Had a gentleman come to me about, about six months ago. Great man, great man, phenomenal friend. He said, Pastor, can I talk to you? Yeah, what you got, Brother Mac? He said, uh, you know, I've been driving this bus now. It's, it's going to get on close to 50 years. I said, uh-huh, yeah, phenomenal. 
He said, do you think I can take a week off? <laughs> I said, I would if I were you. I mean, the kids have even asked if you could take. No, I'm just kidding, but yeah. What causes people to stop at the brook? It may be a hurt in your life. It may be you tried things and it didn't work and you get frustrated over failure. It may be an addiction. It may be whatever the situation is. But David and his men, they've been sent home from the battle and they've had this three-day journey. And when they come back, they see the biggest hurt of their life. Now as they're going to proceed and they're going to get their belongings and their people and their women and their children back, they come upon this brook be sore and here's where the division comes among their people. And may I say tonight, there are many that just simply need a drink at the brook. Every day, take time to get in the brook. Every day, take time to get a drink. And there are some that need to stay at the brook. You know, it is not a sin. I've encouraged our church. I know some have been saved for many, many years, but it wouldn't hurt if you go through a discipleship and not for as a new believer per se, but it may be an issue that, that you're struggling with or maybe something you just, man, I, I would like to learn more about this and, and, and we're connecting them with, with stronger believers say, hey, they'd like to know more in the area of finances or more in the area of relationships or more in the area of parenting or whatever it might be because we need some people that are willing to stop and take a drink at the brook. Those 200 that had to stop, they're not bad people. 1 Samuel 30, verse 10, but David pursued he and the 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint. The 400 that went with David, they go with a promise from God because, of course, David, he he goes to the Lord, he asks, what what shall I do? And that's why you need to go find out what God says. And in verse number 11 of the same chapter there, and they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat and they made him drink water and They gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. When he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor uh, drank any water three days and three nights. Look at this. And David said to him, To whom thou belongest thou? And whence art thou? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me. Well, some master, huh? He said, "I, I, I fell sick and my master just left me here. God was working all that out and we know that. So David gives him something to eat, gives him some water to drink, and his spirit comes back into him. You know, he's probably a little dehydrated and, and uh, needed a sugar rush. And so all of a sudden, he's, he's, he's back in this. And David said, do you have any idea where they are at? This guy says, let me make a deal with you because I've heard about you. If you promise not to kill me, I'll take you where they are. David says, you got a deal. So they take, he takes David and his 400 men and they approach the, 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 the area where the Amalekites are. They're having a good old drunken party and uh, David and his men are hiding and waiting. The Bible says in verse number 19, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. David goes in with his 400 men and they start cleaning house. He said, fellas, let's get all of our belongings back. Let's get all of our children, all of our wives. Let's let's get out of here. Can you imagine if you ladies and the kids are, you're there, picture yourself there. All of a sudden, one of your kids say, hey, there's dad. Well, 
us. Yeah, that's David. Ooh, they're all here. We're out of here. So here they come. You're seeing them may wipe these guys out. They're going, the Bible says he started at twilight and didn't end until the next night. You didn't mess with David. You know what I'm saying? Like he's the last guy I would mouth off to. Okay. He's a bad man. He's killing people left and right. Not all of them died. The Bible says some of them fled on their camels. They, <laughs> they got out of Dodge. And so they're out of there. But check this out. So here's a couple ladies there, and one of the men come up. And, That's my husband. Oh, I knew you would. Yeah. Can you imagine being that other lady? Where's my husband? Oh, yeah, he couldn't make the trip. Now, I know all y'all ladies are very spiritual and, huh? Come on now. I mean, I love my wife. She's the best lady I know. I mean, she's like the best. One, she's got that cleaning disorder. I mean, if dust falls in our house, she's like jumping over the table. No, you know. It's like, woman, let some things go. If you wake up in the middle of the night, that bed will be made by the time you come back. I'm telling you, it, y'all come over, come on, come on up to Liberty some night, and I'm going to say, hey, y'all, come on by the house. She'll give me the look, and then <laughs> she's going to sneak out of church because she's heard them jokes before, and she's going to drive the house and clean it up. You've already cleaned it. I mean, that's just her, but thank God for that. I'm happy with that. Beats starting at Bodles or amen, but uh, happy with that. But I know my wife, as sweet as she is, as wonderful as she is, as pretty as she is, she would look at him and say, where is Scott? Well, he couldn't make the trip. What do you mean he couldn't make the trip? He not, did he know I was here? Well, yeah, he asked me to pick you up. <laughs> Excuse me? Well, he just couldn't make the trip. He's tired. Tired. <laughs> tired, okay. Where's he at? Well, he's at the brook and be sore. <laughs> he's going to be sore if he don't get out. Yeah. All right, all right. You, you know. Had to go through my... So does that mean he loves his wife more than mine? That Listen to me, church. The devil loves to get a foothold in anything that's going on for God. And a church like this has a spirit like you have that's reaching people like you're reaching. Do not think that the devil won't take an advantage of coming in amongst good people with good... You're not going to be here on a Tuesday night to hear some guy you have no idea who you are and are you sure you're at the right church and had too many tipsy tacos and uh, you're not going to do all that unless you truly love the Lord and you just come to worship God. Man, we're just coming in to enjoy some church a little bit. Hey, and when that good is going on, the devil's going to do his best to get into the youth department. He's going to do his best to get after a young couple. He's going to do his best to hit a senior saint. He's going to do his best to hit a young adult. And he would love to divide. That's what he does. He's the author of confusion. He loves division. That's why God says, I hate division. And God says, I'll go after those that cause it. These 600 men now have a struggle of we went, you didn't. Who's more right with God? Who's more spiritual? Who loves more? Isn't that the great thing that the truth is? That's why it's all about him. Y'all don't take this wrong, but I didn't come tonight to try to impress you. I came tonight to lift up Christ and preach the word and to get a Chick-fil-A. That, that's why I came. 
I mean, got to be honest. Let's be transparent. But I mean, I didn't. Go, and if I did, God forgive me because that's not right. We ought to come to worship him. We ought to serve to worship him. And there may be some times somebody just says, I, and, and, and you can't explain it. Have you ever, you ever been there where someone said, what's wrong? I don't know. Are you okay? Huh? This is a weird example, but it's the best one I got for this. I was preaching at teen camp two years ago and it was a long week of camp, having a great time. Kids are getting saved, having a, a good, good, good week. That last day, it rained all day, and so we're having activities outside. Everyone's just getting, I mean, we're getting soaked, just having a good time. There's about 350 or so teens there that week, and we'd play games all day long. And it was about 4 in the afternoon, 4.30, and we were playing big ball. That was the last game we were doing, with, and I was with one of the teens over there, and they're doing that four-way big ball, and it turned into a mud pit, you know. You can't even jump without your feet just going out from it. I mean, you're just covered and just having a good old time. Well, they were having canoe races down at the, at the pond down there, and so I walked down there, and teens are, y'all, y'all know teens, y'all are, God bless your heart. I love teenagers. And, of course, right away, Brother Scott, jump in that water. Why not? I mean, it probably, it'll wash off a lot of the mess I just picked up the hill, you know. And I was wearing T-shirt and blue jeans and took off my ball cap and threw it down, kicked off my shoes, and I dove in. And it was about uh, 75 yards across the other side. And I said, uh, I'll just swim over there. I can swim. So I got to swim in across, and I'd float a little bit, and I'd swim a little bit. They were having canoe races, and they had their lifeguards in there watching the kids as they're having their races and all that mess. And I got about three-quarters of the way across, and I don't know what happened. My body shut down. And I mean, I had nothing. And I'll never forget, long story short, there's a bunch of counselors and all them guys standing on the bank. And I remember, I, man, I was like, uh-oh. And pride got in. I couldn't ask for help. That's embarrassing. And then in my mind, it's like, which is more embarrassing? (laughs) Get to heaven and God goes, what are you doing here? (laughs) I was at a camp. And, you know, but honestly, it just, and I remember there, and I pushed one time. That's all I had. And as I went, I, I, it, was, it was going there a second time, and I just remember going, help. The youth pastor started running. I don't remember anything after that. I went down. I, I, do, I do remember it feeling like a, a garden hose was in my throat. I mean, it was, it was filling up. And I was out. I'm 10, 12 feet under. They're running my direction. And the youth pastor that was running my way said, I don't even swim. He said, I'm running towards you going, what am I going to do? So he yelled at the counselor, and a couple lifeguards started running, and they said, where is he? Because it was pond water, so they couldn't see me. And he said, somewhere over there. And so he said, we're running, and we're diving in. And it was, it was a good while. When I came to, they were pumping out water and everything. And it was a fun time. But I feel like that's many Christians. Either we have a little too much pride to ask for help. But we wait till our marriage is over here when we should ask back here. Or maybe with our children, we can I encourage you when you're here? 
help. And be careful for those on the bank. Because that youth pastor told me, he said, my wife, uh, he said, I hit my wife, I said, look, Brother Gray's swimming. <laughs> she said, I don't think he's swimming. And he said, that's when we took off. Can I tell you, those that are up here, the 400, that you're good and you're fine right now, and boy, God's blessing your family, and, and you feel strong, and your marriage is good, and, and the kids are good, and seems like the bills are paid, seems like everything's going well. Can I encourage you, when, so when you look at someone else, uh, 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 swim! Well, do something. I tried. There are so many people that walk into our churches that just need a drink. And that's why I love the spirit here. And my prayer is that you'll keep going for God and you'll have to do more and more and more because so many people understand you can get help down there. If you need a drink of, uh, at the Brook Besore, that's where you go. Hey, if you need a little bit of love, that's where you go. If you need a little bit of Jesus, that's where you go. If you want to help, have help for your family, that's where you go. There ought to be a place where people, all they got to do is say, help. And how many times, I, I, I don't know if you do this, but I do this as a pastor. I'm running saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. You ever been there? And I'm diving in and my wife goes, you can't swim. I know, but they need help. What are you going to do? I have no idea. But that's a great thing about this is God's work, and he'll give you the strength, those of you part of the 400, to help the 200 to get out. Be careful how we express our feelings to them that may have to stay at the brook, and those of you, and and, and you're strong, but there's going to be a time you're going to need a drink at the brook as well. Can I say, number one, this is a place of refreshment. Imagine how tired they already are from their journey. And now they have finally found the brook. Anybody remember, and for those of you that are new to the church, remember the first time you came into church here? I don't know who's new, who's old, who's borrowed, who's blue. I don't know. And uh, But remember when you came in and you heard some singing? I, I, I love guests at our church. You know, you can always spot a visitor, man. We'll get to singing, and if I like a special they sing, they'll hear me. I'll, I just walk around. I get nervous. I can't sit in one spot. And uh, sing it again. You know, well, that's good. Why not hear it again? I mean, why wait till the next month when they do it again, you know? Sing it again. So we may sing a while. And uh, but and I, you can always spot a visitor. Be, and everyone's different. I tell our people all the time, you don't have to act like me. And uh, But some of our people like to shout. Some people like like y'all do. You know, some of them raise a hand. Some of them don't. Some of them pay people to do it. Here's a dollar. Say amen. Thank you. And uh, that's just their personality, all right? And I, I sit by them a lot. But, uh, you know, whatever. But I, I love the visitor. I like, man. It's like, how you doing? Good. Had a young man, junior, in one of our public high schools. He, he's a wrestler there, and he got saved four weeks ago. And his name's Emmett, uh, same as my grandson. And Emmett is in it. And I mean, he saw when he pulled up the second week there, he saw one of our, our men down with the teenagers waving at cars as they were coming up, you know, welcoming people. He said, what is that? <laughs> and I said, well, they're, they're greeting people. Let me out. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm part of that. So he's down there. He's just waving at people. And then everybody's coming in, you know, for their connection group and classes. I was like, Emmett, you got to go inside. He goes, but somebody else may come in. 
I said, yeah, but you got to go to class, man. There, you need to learn something. And so he, he, on his way in, though, he sees a greeter and says, what are they doing? I said, well, they're greeting people. I want to do that. Look, you're not omnipresent, okay? You can't do everything, Big Daddy. And uh, slow your roll. We'll let you get involved. You'll be bored like the rest of us in a few years. Hang on with it. Amen. But it's a place of refreshment. Everybody needs the brook. Verse 9 says, so David went. He and the 600 men that were with him came to the brook. All 601 men needed the brook. It wasn't just the 200 that stayed. It was all of them. And I hasten, but everyone needs the brook, but some need to stay at the brook. And we saw that in verse number 10 already, but I want to say this. Those that are in leadership, maybe you teach a class, maybe you, you help disciple people, maybe you're, you're working with a new believer. Can I encourage you with this? Do what David learned to do. It's a great, it's something that's difficult, but, and I'm still trying to learn it. David learned how to save a lion with, or how to fight a lion without killing the lamb. What did he say? He said, I pulled it out. No doubt he had lacerations. No doubt he had some blood and scrapes. But he learned how to save that lamb while fighting the lion at the same time. Hey, we need to be careful with new believers and be careful with new with, with, with old believers that are struggling with some things. And we need to be there to say, hey, well, I can help you get out of there. I can help you. Right now, I'm strong, so let me help you because there's going to be time when you're going to be strong and I'm going to need you and all of us need that brook. Everyone should do something for the Lord. But allow the Spirit of God and the, the, the man of God just help direct. And boy, it's such a beautiful thing when the church flows. Isn't it, isn't it neat? Isn't it wonderful to see? Not only that, number two, it's a place of recovery. A place of recovery. Not only do we need it as a refreshment, but it's a recovery. It's a place where they got the strength they needed for the 400 to go out. And it was also a place where the 200 could re- regain their strength. But I want to say this as I close. Here's the final thought tonight. A place of recognition. This is pretty cool. Have you ever read the Bible and thought, why didn't I see that before? Look at the 400 coming back. Look at the 400. They have, the Bible says they got all. They've got everything. On top of that, some of the 400, you know, are having to carry the 200's belongings. They're having to babysit their kids. And you know there's some kids you don't want to babysit. Everybody okay? I mean, there's some numbers you just are busy when they call. Sorry I missed your call. That's the biggest lie I ever said. Amen. I saw your call. Amen. And you're like, Adam, I knew I heard your voice. I just didn't feel like answering that voice. Amen. But 400 of them are coming back. 400 of them are walking back there. But David said this when they recovered everything. He named all that they recovered. He said, this is David's spoil. Doesn't belong to anybody else. It belongs to David. So here's the 400 coming back. And he recognized those that were in the fight. Look at verse number number 10, I'm sorry. But David pursued he and 400 men. So here they are. You can hear them sharing their stories. You can hear him saying, man, did you see David? Buddy, he was upset. 
Did you see him take those men out? Did you see that happen? And, and you know how it goes whenever you're at a, a good time in the church or maybe a, you go out and outreach. We, we took a service one night last year. We'll do it again a couple more times this year because it was just fun. And we took a, a midweek service. Everybody was there anyway. And uh, we had planned it and organized it. And we just had, once everybody got there, I met with them for about three to five minutes, encouraged them. And uh, everybody, some jumped on a, a van and some just went out with uh, partners. Some got on buses. Some just went out. But we just can't canvassed our town, and man, we scared the whole town to death. Now, I told them we're passing tracks out to everybody. We witnessed everybody, and then we had snow cone trucks when they got back and had a good old time with it. I loved it. Those stories were so good, especially with the kids. We have two guys in our youth department. They just got in, and I, I think they're both saved. And, I mean, it, it's brand new. It's brand new. And so they're standing there, and one of them, he said, hey, you knock on that door. <laughs> they're waiting for the van to pick him up. He said, I looked over, and my son was with him. He said, Dad, he said, Tori looked over and went, no. He said, I hit all of those. And this other guy said, that house is going to die and go to hell, and it's your fault. <laughs> he goes, why is it my fault? He said, because that's on your side of the street. It's not on my side of the street. He said, I hit all my houses. All my houses are going to heaven. And he said, they're having this theological debate that I don't think is real. And he's like, how do you know how all your houses are going to heaven? Because I knocked on all my houses. And he said, he turned around, fine. And he walked back over there. And I said, I, I don't even want to know here at the gospel presentation from those guys. Amen. But they're trying. Praise the Lord. And I'll take that all day long. Can't you hear the stories as they come back? But not only was it for those that fought, but it was for those that were faithful. Look at verse 21. David came to the 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David. Again, it's not because they didn't want to. They're not back here playing golf while the rest of them are out fighting. They're not back here just laying out while the rest of them are doing the work. They, They just couldn't go. David approaches them. Look what he does. And when they had made also to abide at the brook Besor, and they went forth to meet David. Now they're strong again. It's been, a, it's been a while. And to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, what did he do? He saluted them. You don't salute someone that went AWOL. You don't salute someone that runs from the battle. David is teaching because the men of Belial, the wicked men are already talking. They don't deserve it. Be careful, church. Be careful. Ah, we're going to be shocked when we stand before the Lord. Hey, us preachers think we're doing something. We're going to be at the end of the line while there's so many people that we don't even know that might be serving in a church somewhere, might be cleaning up the building, might be working on a mission field, might be doing something for the Lord, and God says, all you big shots, step out of the way. That one right right there, come on down. Oh, yeah, we're going to be shocked when we get to heaven. David said, let me help y'all. The 200 men are approaching them. The 400 are coming back with all the belongings. They fought the battle. They put in the work. They put in the time. And as they were griping, they're not getting anything but their wives and kids. And David said, hold up. That's David's spoil. Don't touch it. He approaches the 200 and he salutes them. And he started a trophy that I hate, a participation trophy. He said, thank you, men. You did a great job. 
Can you see those 200 men going, what do we do? He said, you tarried by the stuff. We did what? We sure did. None of it's moved. <laughs> yes, sir, king. Your highness, it is right here. It has not moved since y'all left. David gave them just as much respect because they also lost everything back at Ziklag. They also had the pain. They also had the hurt. And let me tell you something, from the youngest member to the oldest member, from the newest believer to the one you've been saved for decades, let me tell you, every one of us, if we'll just stay faithful to Christ, if we'll just stop at the brook and get some refreshment, if we'll just get that encouraging drink that we need from the Word of God and from the Spirit of God, He will help us to stay on track. And when there's those who are just saying, I, I just can't. Okay. Hey, I'm praying for you. We don't know all the stories in this auditorium tonight. I don't know what it took some of you to get here. I don't know what some of you are struggling with. I don't know what the battle is. I don't know what the devil is attacking your home or your marriage or your child with. I don't know. I know what it's like for some. I just got off the phone with the family on the way in here that they're saying, Pastor, do you think there's any hope? And my answer is yes, there's hope. As long as there's God, there's always hope. And I know you can make it. And through the power of God, we're getting through this thing. But you need to just stop and take a drink at the brook. And it's not an embarrassing thing. The best need to stop. Tonight, I want to ask you this. When's the last time you and God just got together?